Amen. Amen. Appreciate that. Thank you, guys. You know, we hear that. We hear him pray that. We hear them sing that. That in our Father's house, there's a place for us. There's a place for me. There's a place for you. There's a place for me. And you know, there's a lot of people that hear those words and they, there's a disconnect. Because in this world, you know, there's a lot going on in our world today. There's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of stuff being said in so many different areas. And there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of, there's, there's a search for truth. And we know that it seems as if the goalposts are moved more times than not. There's, there's a constant desire for truth. There's a desire to know what's next. There's a desire. But people wonder if they can trust what they hear. They wonder if they can trust what's being said. There's, there's, there's a lot of that out there. And even take the song we just sang. They hear that. Whether you're in the room this morning or you're watching from afar. You hear that, in my Father's house there's a place for you. And you say, well, you know, I just don't feel welcome there. I don't, I don't feel at home there. I don't feel like I belong there. I don't, I don't see my place. See, in Scripture, it's very clear to be a part of the family and how to be a part of the family. I wanna, this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me. We're going we're gonna to chase through several Scriptures here in the very beginning. If you've got a pen and a piece of paper, I want you to just to write these scripture down because I'm here to tell you what they say in my father's house. There's a place for you is a reality that can be, is a reality that is for all who have trusted Christ as Lord and Savior and for those who have yet to trust Him. There's room. There's room in that place. We're going to I do, I want you to write these verses down, I want you to see them, they'll be flashing on the screen, but I want you to write them down, and because what the world needs is truth. You may have a co-worker that you can, you can copy these, word, these verses down and maybe slide it to them, you may have somebody that you need to message, inbox them, shoot a message to them and say, hey look, you, you may want to look over this, this was, the, this was some sermon notes I had yesterday. It's the message that the world needs to hear because it is the reality that it's appointed unto man once to die and then there's going to be a judgment. Yes, and at that moment, the only hope for every person is Jesus. Period. There's no exceptions. There's no, yeah, but he's just going to uh, let us in. He's just going to let us through. Not so much. Write down Romans 3.23. Look at Romans 3.23. The issue that... Every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl has on the face of the earth is a sin problem. Every person. There's no one immune to sin. You write, down, write down these little words. You lie, you cheat, you steal, you think bad things, you say bad things, you, you know what to do. Write, write this one. Just a sub-note under that one. Write James 4.17. James 4.17 says... To him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. There's your definition. You know the right thing, but you just don't do it. That's sin. That's the issue that every man, woman, boy, and girl has. is a sin problem. 
every politician, every powerful person, every weak person, every person with or a person without, whether you're in our country or a foreign country, whether you're middle of the day here or sound asleep over there. There's a sin issue. It started in the garden. In the beginning, God created everything, and it was beautiful, and it was perfect, and God walked in the presence, and we know there sin entered the picture, and sin has been passed down to every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the earth. Everybody is a sinner, and there's a consequence to that sin. I heard this many, many, many years ago. may not have time to write it all down. God, only perfect people can live in a perfect heaven with a perfect God. How do you become perfect? Through the righteousness of Christ. Sinners have to become perfect through the work of Christ there on the cross of Calvary. Completed work, it is finished, he said. As they were stabbing him, as they were, as they were beating him, as they were putting that crown of thorns on his head, as he was suffering that punishment that sinners should have suffered, he says, it is finished. He completed the work, he completed the task. For all of sin, every person... Every person. In Romans 6, 23, look at that one, write that one down. The issue of sin, you say, well, everybody does it. Then it, If everybody's doing it, then, then what's the big deal? The, it's not a man. Man did not decide the consequence of sin. God did. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Spiritual death. Eternal from a holy and righteous God. That is the consequence of sin. Spiritual death. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But the wages of sin is death. That is where all mankind stands. That's where humanity stands. You say, you say, in my Father's house there's a place for me. Yes, there's a place for everybody. Actually, the Bible says there's a place for whosoever will. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord can and will be saved. But salvation comes through Jesus. He says it himself. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It is exclusive. Write that one down. Write down. What, John 14, 6. Write it down. It's exclusively through Christ alone. Which leads you to the next part of that. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation, what the world needs to hear, the message that of today that everybody out there needs to hear, it has nothing to do with Washington, D.C. It has to do with the gospel. It has to do with you're a sinner and your, your, your sinful state puts you in a, in a state of eternal separation from a holy and righteous God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God. John 3.16. Write down John 3.16. What is that gift? What is that gift? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And what's that word say? Raise your hand if you're whosoever in this room. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Whosoever is all over this room. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever, praise God, we don't serve a, a God that you had to have a certain last name, or you had to be royalty, or you had to be from a certain continent, or you had to have so much stuff. No, that's not the God we serve. 
People hear that. They say, in my father's house, there's a place for me. I don't feel welcome there. Well, how can you not feel welcome? The only way you cannot feel welcome is you ain't listening. Because in my father's house, there's a place for you. Because we serve a whosoever there is out there desiring salvation, desiring freedom from the wrath and the penalty and the guilt of sin. You can be forgiven. Every person can be forgiven. Because God did something. That gift, guess what that gift Look at Romans 5. Romans 5 verse 6. Look at what it says. While, while we were helpless, while we were in a state of eternal separation, while we were in a state of spiritual death, God did something for us that we couldn't do. The Bible says while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Write it down. 2 Corinthians 5.21. What it says, He made him who knew no sin. That's the sinless Son of God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. That is the substitutionary death of Christ there on the cross. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might be the righteousness of of God in Him. He took our place. Romans 5 8. Write down Romans 5 8. Look what it says. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. And while we were sinners, we were helpless. Romans 5 6 says. We were sinners. Romans 5 8 says. While we, were, while we could do nothing for ourselves. Isn't that amazing? We sing about amazing grace. That's amazing grace. We could not earn it. We couldn't work for it. You couldn't, you couldn't give enough money. You couldn't jump in that pool enough times. You couldn't walk up and join enough churches. You couldn't go on enough mission trips. No, you couldn't feed enough people. No, you couldn't clothe enough babies. To even, listen to this, to even cover one sin. Because... A finite being like me, sinning in the face of an infinite and holy God, there is only one level of deserving punishment that is right. And that's hell. That's why when people die, there's a point in a man wants to die, and then there's a judgment, and at that moment, Jesus has said there in, in uh, John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We don't serve an unjust God. We serve a, serve a super just God. We serve a, serve a super fair God, a God who is not going to send any person to hell. He's going he's to send everybody who rejects him to hell. God doesn't send anybody. He just sends those who say no to him. They just send, he, he just sends those who reject him. Who, who hears the gospel, who hears that they're sinners, who hears that there is a way, who hears that God loved them so much. Look, God loved you so much that He sent His Son. You were hopeless, you were helpless. He demonstrated His love and that while you were, you, were, you were so far off, God did something for you. And they hear that message and they say, No, I've got some other way. See, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. 
What did, what did that look like? That looked like the cross. That looked like Jesus Christ going to the cross of Calvary there. And, and all the wrath. Remember that moment. He says, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? What does God do? He turns his back on his son. It had never happened before. It will never happen again. Such love. How such, such extremes he went to redeem back for himself a people, to redeem back a, a group. In my father's house, there's a place for me. Listen, there's a place for every person. There's a place for you. There's a place for you watching now or watching later. There's a place for you. You say, yeah, but I've messed up. I never messed up. The Bible's called you out. You're a sinner. Don't run from it. Admit it. He's not shocked. He's not surprised. He's been trailing you the whole time. Watching you go into every, every crack you shouldn't have, every ditch you shouldn't have, every canyon you shouldn't have. He saw every one. And the whole time he was chasing you saying, Here I am. I love you. You don't have to go there. I've forgiven you. I will be your Lord if you'll allow me. Quit running. In my Father's house, there is a place for you. You've got to receive me. You've got to believe in me. You've got to trust me. Which begs the question, how? How? What do we do? So many people say, what do we do? Well, you, you simply cry out to Jesus for forgiveness. Look at, write down Romans 10, 9. Write down Romans 10, 9, dash. Because we're going to go to 13. We're going to read them all. Romans 10, Verse 9, this is what the Bible says. This is not what some preacher says. Read it yourself. This isn't what your group of religious nuts thinks. No, this is the Bible. This is what you Baptists think. No, this is just Scripture. Yeah, but you're weaving it together to make it sound like something. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just telling you it's the story of redemptive history that God had a people, had a man and woman, and he messed up, and, and he spent all this time saying, look, I'm coming back. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And at the right time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin. And there he is. Jesus came, and he lived 33 some odd years, and he died on the cross. Three days later, he rose again, and because of his death, burial, and resurrection, man has a way back to God. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what is confession? Confession is admitting. Confession is admitting you missed the mark. Confession is, hey, I, 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 know, I know the way I've been living is sinful. I know the way I've been living is wrong. I know that my lifestyle is wrong. I know that my heart is wrong. I know that I've been going in a direction that is in the polar opposite of your perfect will. And I admit that. I agree with you in that. I confess that with my mouth. And if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says you will be saved. It does not say you might be saved. It doesn't say you'll, you'll possibly be saved. No, it says you will be saved. For with the mouth you confess and with the heart you believe, resulting in salvation. Look at what it says. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever, here we go, we raised our hands earlier, whoever, every single one of us, whoever, 
That shoe that's did really, really bad. That shoe that's never stepped foot inside of a church building. That shoe that's hurt people. That shoe that doesn't feel like you belong anywhere. That shoe that feels like the world and everything in it has turned against you. And your hand of cards that you've been dealt is a flop. You're not. In my father's house there's a place for you. You just got to trust Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will not be disappointed. You're not going to be disappointed. The Bible says I have not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love him. Stop running. This may be for you in this room. This may be for someone else. This may be for that person you're writing all this down and you're going to go and make copies you're going to slip it to. Stop running. Right there, right, stop running. Stop running. Quit trying to be God. Quit trying to do it yourself. Quit trying to live life on your own. Quit trying to figure it out. Stop running and just simply trust Him. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. Everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor, married, single, old, young, big, little, ugly, pretty. You say, well, I don't fit in nowhere. You fit in his house. You fit. He wants you. you. You don't have to do anything to earn His love. He already loves you so much. Just simply trust Him. He, Jesus Christ died on the cross. And here's the choice. Here's the stop running part. He died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. So that when we stand before God at that moment... The Bible says our best is but filthy rags. We, our only hope is Christ. Jesus is the reason I go to heaven. Not because of me being able to talk a lot in front of you. Jesus is my only reason. Not because of who I am as a person or who I am as a husband or a daddy. Jesus is the only reason I'm going to heaven. I deserve hell. I'm messed up like the rest of you, but I just trust Jesus with all my heart. He's all I got. Is he you? yours? Jesus doesn't, God doesn't send people to hell. He sends people to hell who look at Jesus and say, No. I reject you. And you know what then God does? He says, Okay. Eternity separated from God in a place to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? Because an infinite a finite person sinning in the face of an infinite God deserves infinite punishment. That's why hell is forever. And every thought, this moment, this message, these verses, every time you saw John 3.16, every time you saw truth, every time you hear hope, you hear it, you will, it will gnaw at you for all of eternity because 
The chasm is fixed. And there's no crossing back or forth. But the cool part is, we're not there yet. The cool part is, is that we still have hope. You still have hope. Whoever, 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 whoever calls on the name of the Lord, it says, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God. Who needs this? Who needs this? Everybody needs this. You needs this. We need a reminder. We need a reminder of, hey, this is the gospel that we take to a lost and dying world. This is the message. This is what I did. As a young person, this is what you did somewhere along the way. You admitted that you were a sinner. You trust in the completed, finished work of the cross and the empty grave of Christ Jesus. You trusted Him with all your heart. You asked Him to come be your Lord. And from that day forward, you have you have rendered your life, and you have submitted to Christ. And that's why you can say in my Father's house, there's a place for me. But church, we as heralds of the gospel, as ambassadors of Christ, we go out those doors and say, hey, in my Father's house, there's a place for you too. In my Father's house, there's a, there's a place who needs to hear this? Everybody needs to hear this. Go with me over to John. Quit writing. Go to John. We're going to real quick. John, John, we're going to move quickly because we've got a lot to read. I want you to see something. I want you to see a story in the midst of, in the midst of chaos and in the midst of, of craziness, in the midst of all of these cultural, social, ethical things and rules and goalposts moving and this is true today but not true tomorrow. This is true for one group and not true for another group. Whatever, wherever you fall, that's where Jesus fell in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, he has a conversation with a lady at a well from Samaria. Conversations. There's so many sermons we could preach from this message. I was I was laying there the other day and I was reading through it. And I'm thinking that's a sermon and that's a sermon and that's a sermon and that's a sermon. Sermon after sermon after sermon that we could point out here in this text. But I just want to read it real quick and I want to get here because we need to this morning remember who needs to hear this. Yes, it's you, but it's also a lot of people out there. And you say, well, how are we going to get them all in here? We gotta we gotta share this. Sermon. We got to share the YouTube link. We got to slip them this note. We got to slip them these verses. Yes, all the above is true. But there's something about someone who you know and love and trust coming to you saying, Hey, I need you to hear something. Beginning in John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, I'm just going to read quickly. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Right there, you could stop off and drop off and spend and camp out there for a long time. Isn't that where we are as a culture and a country? Think about it. All kind of rules. All kind of lines and boundaries and sections and stuff. Notice how Jesus didn't care what the rules were. He didn't care what the boundary was. He didn't care what the, hey, you don't cross this line. You don't belong in our group. You don't run with us. God's ways are higher than our ways, church. Jesus answered, verse 10. 
said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who, who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to life eternal. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. Sounds like Nicodemus slipping up to him at night, doesn't it? And what does Jesus do? He changes it. He goes to spiritual things. See, imagine church if we just took Jesus' trick of taking useless conversations and trivial nonsense and took our friends and our family and our co-workers and those that we love and care for their souls and took them directly to spiritual things. Jesus said, Jesus said, he said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in the mountains. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming where neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshiper, listen church, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Notice what she does. Notice how the conversation changes. You get the context. You're getting the whole big picture of everything that's going on here. At this point, the disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Notice the disciples are an interesting group in the whole story. The disciples are, are a lot like us in the whole story. We walk up and what do we immediately start to do? We, we judge but don't say nothing. We go critical but we don't say nothing. We get very in our inside. Remember that secret stuff that God sees that we're going to be judged by? We go there on the inside but God sees it. God hears it. Notice what he says. Yet no one said what do you seek or why do you speak to her so the woman left her water pots and went into the city and said to the men notice what you got the disciples being critical in spirit first of all and then you got the woman who's going back into town saying hey I, I need you to go see somebody look at what she says so the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men come see a man who told you all the things that I have done this is not the Christ is he and they went out of the city and were coming to him. you got to see the picture. you got to get what's going on. So the woman went back. Jesus is sitting here with the disciples. They've come back from into town. They were buying food. They come back in. The woman has gone back into the city of Samaria saying, Hey, you need to come and see this guy. So you got all these people coming out of Samaria. And Jesus is sitting here with the disciples having a conversation. Meanwhile, the disciples, verse 31 
were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Church, let me say something real quick. There's a lot of good things that we do, but there's a lot of good things we do that have absolutely zero eternal significance. There's a lot of things that we busy ourselves with that have no lasting value. They're worried about Jesus eating. And he corrects them. Notice what he says here. He says, so the disciples were saying to one another, no one bought him anything to eat, did he? No, verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And this is where, remember I said in the first service, he made the, somebody made the Dollar General run. Y'all remember that? Because they're like, they're like, so the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did they? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Guys, notice what Jesus is doing, not just to the Samaritan woman, but he's also to it doing to his, his front-line following disciples. Here they are, busying themselves about the moment. Busying themselves about the, here, Jesus, you need to eat. Who got him the food? Where's the bread? Where's the manna? Did you get to, Peter, you're supposed to have brought the meat. Where's it at? I mean, they're worried about all this useless stuff. And Jesus is, Jesus is like, boys. There's spiritual things going on here. Guys, let me tell you something. There's not a conversation you will have from this day to the rest until you die that there is not a spiritual element in it. Think about what I just said. There's not a conversation you will ever have that is accidental, that is not sovereignly there. You're not accidentally sitting around with your grandson or granddaughter. You're not accidentally left a home with your husband and wife. You're not accidentally there with a best friend hanging out just killing time. We don't serve an accidental God. We serve a, an intentional God. What do we do with most of those times? Well, we talk about life. We talk, let's just talk about Let's just, kill, let's just kill the next few moments that I have with you and I may not ever get to talk to you again. So let's just talk about the weather. Let's talk about things that have no eternal significance. Let's talk about things that really will not matter where you spend forever. Guys, I want to say something. I said it earlier. Good people go to hell. Mamas and daddies go to hell. Grandparents go to hell. Grandkids, sons and daughters, co-workers, classmates, teammates, best friends go to hell. They're good people. We rode the highest of highs. We live life to the fullest. Did you ever once tell them about your Savior and your relationship with your Savior? Well, no, Brother Shannon, I... Uh, I just assumed that they were they were getting that somewhere else, and they they just seemed like I never wanted to go there. I, I'm really big in relationships, and I just wanted to build a really good relationship. I never felt comfortable talking about that. Think about the things you feel comfortable talking about. 
Think about the junk and the crud and the trash that we do talk about. Think about the small cuts, the slurs, the slandery things that we do talk about. Notice, church, who needs this? Jesus has got the disciples up and down, up and down. He's saying spiritual things. They're like, where's the food? He's saying spiritual things. They're like, well, who brought the food to him? Where did he eat? I didn't see him eat. What's going on? Verse 35, church, do not say there is four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Look up. Look up. Look up. In the context, who's coming his way? He says, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for the fields are white to harvest. Who's coming his way? Remember, remember. let's, let's bring ourselves back into the story. Remember, the woman of Samaria, the woman at the well, had gone back into the town and told the men, hey, is this the Christ? He's told me all this stuff, and they're headed this way. And Jesus, he, took, he went from word pictures, and he went from hey over here to actual, there they are. you got to look up and see them. Get your eyes off the bread. Get your eyes off the meal. And look, there they come. They're coming. They're out there. They're all around us. They're all around us, and their souls are in the balance. They're all around us. And look, it says already, Verse 36, already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, notice, for in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. He's like, look, she's done gone into town. She has, has spread the seeds and you guys are going to get to reap a harvest that you had nothing to do with. Look at this verse. Look at verse 38. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Here's this guy who's then come into your church and he's your new pastor and he frequently talks to you about, hey, hey, there's people out there. Hey, you're the hands and you're the feet. Hey, you're an ambassador. You're a spokesperson. You've got to take it to them. You have the gospel. You have it now written down on a sheet of paper. How do you know that the person the Holy Spirit lays on your heart that you go to, that you witness to, that you share with, that you invite to church, that you tell, hey, I love you so much that I've got to tell you about this. How do you know that that person hasn't been shared with and, and shared with and shared with and shared with and shared with and you get to see a great harvest of souls that you had nothing to do. They labored and you just... They've done the work. They've been prayed for. Family members have been praying for them. Co-workers have been praying for them. Everybody around them has been praying for them. And lo and behold, you for such a time as this, at this very sovereign moment in time, you, the Holy Spirit, used you to see God show out. Look at what Scripture says from the city. Many of the Samaritans, verse 39, many of the Samaritans believed in Him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all things that, that I've done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his words. And look at verse 42, and they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and now 
and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. What if she had not have gone back to the city? What if she'd have went back and said, yeah, I met this stranger at the well this afternoon. What did he talk about? Oh, nothing much. What if her story would have been different? What if her story would have been like the disciples? Here's some food. I got the water. Let's go eat. Oh, it's nothing to it. Let's not talk about it. It's not, no, oh, nothing. It, it, it was coincidental. It was strange. It was nothing. Let's, let's just, what's, what's for supper? How was your day at work? How was school? How was life? What you doing this weekend? Where are you going? How's life? Guys, the conversations the world needs right now is spiritual conversations. And yes, I know I don't know who you know, and I don't go where you go, but you go where you go, and you know who you know. I'm a stranger, and I'm an oddball, and I'm, I'm just, I'm a preacher, and a lot of people feel funny around preachers, because we judge everybody in their mind. We're better than everybody. We're sinless, and we walk on air. And that ain't true. But that's what the world is lied to. Oh, he thinks he's better than you. No, I'm not. But when you go to him, when you look up, up, who's around you? Look up. Who's around you? Who's up? Who, who, who's around you? When, you? when you took our eyes off the busyness and and got out of the rules that he Jesus completely ignored. He was talking to a Samaritan woman and a, in Samaria, and he's a rabbi. He shouldn't have been talking to a woman. So many rules, so many cultural, just taboo. He would, this, was like, this was like a no-no. He'd have been banned from everything. He'd have been kicked out, but he didn't care. And notice what he did not do. He did not attack the culture. He did not attack the rules. He did not attack the system. He saw a a soul. He saw a person who it is appointed unto man once to die and then there's a judgment. And all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But God loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus. He demonstrated his own love that while he, we were helpless, while we were hopeless, Christ died for us. He made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for me. And all I have to do is confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus went to what would last forever. You know, political feelings and beliefs and agendas and, and soapboxes. Isn't it amazing as you get older, your soapbox changes? Jesus never changes. Isn't it amazing how the things that we're passionate about changes? Jesus never changes. Our soapbox and our passions get no one into heaven, but Jesus does. Our passion for our passions and our passion for our soapbox, those conversations and they die. They, they die all around us and we wonder, well, maybe they knew, maybe they heard, maybe they... Maybe they had a relationship, and here's what we do. We, we leave the funeral, and we say to ourselves, well, they're a good person. Hmm. They were a good person. God's going to make an exception there. 
You ever heard he'd have give you the shirt off his back, she'd have give you the last dime in her pocket. Well, did she know Jesus? Ah, oh, she wasn't really that religious. She kind of did her own thing. She wasn't into that organized stuff. She wasn't into that, uh, you know, that, that, that was too controversial for him or for her. They just kind of ran their own race and did their own thing. So basically they were God of their life. And they met the God of the universe. And he said, hey, I don't know you. But we lay down at night and we, we make ourselves feel better by saying, hey, they were good people. Legacy on earth doesn't outlive eternity. The legacy we leave behind here on this earth does not outlive where our souls spend eternity. You can talk good about a person long after their death, but that doesn't change where they're fixed. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Look up. Who's around you? Who's around you that needs this? You say, well, and, and, and here's what happens at the end of a sermon like this. At the end, yeah, I look at you and I ask such a silly question because we know everybody we know needs it. But then we're like, this is where the conflict, this is where the, the, the struggle comes. Sermon's about over. This is where the, 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 the struggle is real. As reality is about to hit. It's kind of like what the disciples said. What's for lunch? But what really matters? What's the conversation that really matters? Father God. If we're honest and we honestly look up and we really look up and look around us, God, there are, there are some godly men and women who are running so strong, running so passionate. God, they are, they are running this race of life so well for you. And we praise God for our brothers and our sisters in Christ and we love them and we praise you for them. Again, God, there's also those that Lord, they are lost. They're lost, Lord. Their souls are lost. Lord, I pray that you would show us how. God, if it's, if it's make 40 copies of those notes, 40 copies of those verses and slip them in 40 envelopes and mail them all over the country to friends and past co-workers and past buddies and classmates from high school, then so be it, Lord. Or if it's send it through messenger to brothers and sisters that we know or family members holy spirit of god your the gates of hell will not prevail the gates of hell will not stop your church from moving forward lord we're trying to equip the saints to do the work of ministry and god yes to love yes to serve but god to love souls most of all to love the spiritual part, the part of somebody that'll last forever. Yeah, we could, we could sit around and we could be the greatest social club. We could be the greatest social need meeting church in the whole town. I could stand up here and talk about, hey, we need something to, we need to feed this group and we need to clothe this group and we need to 
care of this group and we got these that need a house and we got these that need a home and these need transportation and these need their bills paid and these are hungry, God. And we could totally miss the part that lasts forever. The souls of men. You always took us back to the spiritual things, Jesus. You always, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of distractions, in the middle of government upheavals and struggles, you ran out of one town and ran to others, and you were constantly having to slip through thongs of men who were wanting to whether stone you or cast you off a cliff or constantly after you to kill you. You never came at them. You came at them with the truth. Help us learn from our master. The fights worth fighting and the fights that aren't. Because the chasm is fixed. There's no crossing back over now for those. But the ones that are still on this side of our eternity, there's hope. And here we stand with truth. We can't save them, but we can point them to the one who can. In Jesus' name, amen.